tell me about the life which I might envy in passing, but which we will dismantle in the present. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, so, should, where, I mean, where should I start? Should I start from university? Should I start from currently? University? It's like we don't do deep dives yeah. in this show anymore? No, give me a childhood, brother. Okay. Well, my family situation. So, I took the ACE test uh, earlier today. And I got ACE. Sorry, just for those who don't know. Yeah. Did you ace it? You had Adverse Childhood Experience Test. That's a test you can find online designed to, I mean, I don't agree with all of it, but it's not a bad place to start in terms of figuring out things that may have gone awry in your childhood. Yeah. And I got a score of three or four. Ah. Could be worse. Could be worse. Could be better. And what exactly. did you score on? Uh, things, the main part was centered on sort of emotional neglect. Uh, there was one question on whether a sibling had had depression. And yeah, some some physical contact was used. So like when I was a young kid, yeah, my parents did occasionally sort of smack me. Let's just pick it up from, um, from uh, I guess, post high school. Okay, put it this way, Stefan. I have been outside of the UK for seven years. I have not seen my family in seven years. I have not spoken to my mother once in that time. I have not had a message passed on from my mother in that time. I also haven't spoken to my sister in about 15 years. I have sent fleeting emails to my father back and forth every three months, uh, typically surface level conversation about football and things. So I think that highlights some serious issue with, uh, emotional availability and connection wow wow that's uh and and what's your what are your thoughts about all that well okay i think part of me is perhaps living outside of the uk as like a rebellion perhaps though i do like being here a lot and, and where you're in may, thailand is that right i'm in thailand yes right. i've been in thailand for five years now and just out of curiosity, I mean, the, the, did you just get to move there or is it a lot of paperwork or what? Uh, there's, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, yeah, they have a fairly rigorous immigration system. You have to really send in a wad of documents every year. You know, it's quite nice to have some rigorous checks. But, <laughs> Unlike uh, the UK. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it's if you if you want to work here and you're providing value, they'll let you stay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, so, um, wh where were you doing? You said you've been there five years. Seven years out of yes. the UK. Was that right? So, where, Correct. Were, where were you the first two? Okay. So, I left uh, university, and about one month later, I took a job to teach English in South Korea. And at that time, I didn't really care about, you know, income level, wasn't thinking of that rebellious sort of 21 year old. Uh, I'm going to, you know, plug out of the matrix and I went to South Korea for a year. And my plan was jump countries every year, see the world. And a year later, jump to Taipei. Year later, after that, jump to Thailand, really like Thailand, decided to stay. And what did you uh, think of the the sort of, I guess, the English teaching that you did in, in South Korea first, was it a tough adjustment? Did you enjoy it? How was it? I enjoyed it. 
I was really happy that I was getting paid to do something I enjoyed. I had had a engineering scholarship whilst at university where I did summer placements and it was utterly miserable. So oh, to no. go Really? Yeah. Oh man. Were you shocked? Like... I mean, it's engineering. <laughs> I don't mean to say like I love computer science, yeah. so I, I that yeah. side of engineering I really like the physical stuff though would make me glaze over in a heartbeat. Well, I studied civil engineering and I had this grand idea that I'd travel the world building society like Age of Empires. However, it looked like the DMV. We were in this gray office and I was designing drainage coverings. Drainage cover. They, but they sound necessary to civilization, just not – it's not exactly uh, how it rock. Right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. Interesting. So uh, did you – do you work in the engineering field at all, or is it uh, mostly teaching or something else? Right now, I am a maths teacher at a pretty good school in Bangkok. Right. And have you become fluent? In Thai. Mm. My Thai is uh, good. I actually, I just wanted to hear you say my Thai. That's all. That's the, no, My Thai. How, yeah, how, how's it coming? Because, uh, I, I mean, some people have a great facility for foreign yeah. languages i was reminded of the explorer not the actor richard burton who could speak like 17 languages and came by it very easily i have that with computer languages but they all follow the same kind of logical structure but uh, how are you with foreign languages well my way of learning a language is very mathematical and depends a lot on uh, weird visualization of words and, and a lot of repetition so i get through it the sort of boring stuffy engineering way i'm not really a a creative type with languages right okay okay interesting all right so um what has your life been like for five years i mean is it sort of the same year over and over again or is it is it grow does it change does it progress what's uh it seems a bit groundhog day to me from the vast outside of it but what's it like for you yeah to some extent it is every day is exactly the same uh there have been there has been some growth, some progress. Like I really got into the gym two years ago. Uh, I kicked alcohol to the curb. Uh, basically, one year ago, I I don't have any impulses to drink anymore. Oh, good. So you. there's been yeah, there's been some development, but yeah, it feels like Groundhog Day. It feels like I it's the thing about living in Bangkok is it's extremely comfortable. It's extremely convenient, and it's it, it's you you're you're given all these hygiene factors, but sometimes I feel like, yeah, I'm not really moving forward. It is you're given all these rep- hygiene factors. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you get uh, leeches. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, uh, how do I explain it? Okay. Like, uh, okay. In Britain, when it's seven o'clock and you want, and you're not in London and you want food tough, unless you want to drive four miles to a Tesco, uh, in Bangkok, in which case, still tough, but yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, in Bangkok, whatever you want, whenever you want it, it's there. It's such a convenient place to live. It's tropical. Um, it's okay. The way I describe Thailand is it's like a country with no natural predators. Huh. So the left has yet to take its hold. All right. Oh man. Oh, that is a conversation. Luckily, my students are pretty based. They they agree with me surprisingly. Oh no! Like East Asians. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, they uh, they uh, they're very based. Uh, they oh, uh, they have no uh, no qualms, no political correctness, yep. particularly regarding like human biodiversity and so on. They're like 
they're down for the count. They, uh, as, as a whole, uh, and no shame, no anxiety, no nervousness, no fear, and, and all that. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty wild that way. Oh man, they hate it more than I do. I remember uh, my first year at this school. Uh, they asked me like about Brexit. I, I, was I remain or leave? And I very timidly said, "You're not going to like my answer," but I wanted to leave. And then they all cheered. Yeah. yeah. So I was like. I was like, "What?" Yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep. Yeah, no, they. Uh, uh, as far as my my conversation with East Asians go, is that they're like, they they simply cannot fathom what the hell the West is doing. Like, they simply <laughs> oh, cannot man. fathom it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's yeah. it's one thing to have, you know, I guess Chairman Mao, different country and all, but Chairman Mao pointing a gun at you and saying collectivize or else. But uh, this voluntary shit, it's uh, incomprehensible to a lot of people. Oh, there, there's one student who is like something out of 1920s Britain. They have a non-uniform day. He comes in like a three-piece suit. I had a conversation with him for two hours, and he, he it's, it's, it is just an outsider looking in, just picking apart how much of a joke the West is at the moment. Yeah. Well, a joke, joke has a funny ending. Um, not sure. Well, yeah. Not sure that we're going to achieve that. Well, there's no way to achieve anything other than relatively different degrees of grimness regarding how this plays out. But uh, all right, okay, okay. So, uh, so five years. It's very convenient. You're decently yes. paid, and um, you get to, you get the like foreign guy exoticness. You get to like sleep around and stuff like that, right? Yep. And what's the dating like in well, where you are? In Bangkok. Ah, uh, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not hard. Let me say that. Uh, there's lots of options. If you are, yeah, if if you're a well put together, clean looking guy, you have options. Yeah. Well, is there a white guy advantage too? I'd say there is, but if you want to date like the good Bangkok girls, you need a lot more than just being simply white. Right. Right. Now, but the dating, uh, if you're dating the Bangkok girls, and by that, I mean, of course, the, the locals, right? The natives. Yeah. And it's so strange to think of a country where you could just say the Thai people and everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Because, again, with the sort of mystery meat, Western demographics, nobody knows uh, what the hell, uh, you know, someone from, from England is these days. But if you want to date the local Thai girls, then... Is it almost by definition it's a fling? I mean, that this is there any real possibility for building something more permanent? There's a possibility, yes, but it's interesting because Thailand typically tops um, polls on infidelity. They have a serious uh, gik culture. What gik means is like your plaything, and it's really embedded into the culture. Your, your, sorry, when you say your plaything, this does not like that. May be a clarification for you, but it's not for me. Okay, um, like gick means the person you have a one night stand with, like not the person you're gonna marry. And okay. it's really, it's quite open. Thailand's a very confusing hodgepodge of conservatism and then some strange areas where they're like ultra liberal. Well, they're they're woke, and then they have, of course, uh, a lot of female rights slash privileges, which generally tends to lead to promiscuity. Yeah. All right. All right. So, um, how many uh, how many how many uh, women have you slept with since you got to uh, Thailand, on on average? Or, or oh, in Thailand, uh, we're talking forty, fifty. Right. 
And have any of them been in the realm of girlfriend, or is it basically just a one-night stand? Uh, a couple of them have been in the realm of girl girlfriend, yes. Uh, one in particular, about three years ago, yes. And what happened with that? Okay, I dated her for six weeks, which in <laughs> my terms, yeah. Well, Whoa. sadly, that... Dude, yeah. slow down. <laughs> what, do you have grandkids already? Holy... Okay, three weeks, go on. Yeah. Six weeks, sorry, six weeks, yeah. Six weeks, and that was the third longest relationship I've had in my life. So that's a red flag. And I ended it. And why? Right. Now, the reason I ended it was for really shallow reasons. Mm. Uh, you know, things like I want to keep my freedom. Which I'm well, sure you've heard you basically before. want to sleep with, with new women, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Big part of it. Yeah. Uh, other things as well. I, I feel as a person, I'm like a massive introvert and I do like being alone a lot. So there was that as well. The idea of, well, it's, I, yeah. I don't know. When do you want, I mean, I'm still doing the information gathering phase. I'm not sure when you okay. want to start getting feedback or not. Fair enough. Fair no. Enough. So do you want feedback now or later? Um, well, do you want more information? Then you can give me hard on the feedback. All right. Let's get some more information. Okay. So you consider yeah. yourself an introvert? Yes. Oh, that was the end of that part? Oh, uh, okay. Well, the reason I you want me to go into more about why I broke it up with her, more than yes. more of the reasons why. Okay. Other things, you know, I mean, it's pathetic, but, you know, like sharing a bed. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I, fair enough. A big part of it was I wanted to keep sleeping around, enjoying uh, the, yeah, the promiscuous, uh, hedonistic life. That's a big part of it. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. And did you feel, uh, at all, uh, any significant affection for this, the six week, uh, miracle marathon or, or was it more like, just like, yeah, nice girl, but bored. Oh, I felt a lot of affection. It was very hard to break up with her because she ticked a lot of boxes, um, as a, as a girl that I could make it serious with. Like what? Oh, she was from a very good family. Um, very good family. She was very intelligent. Uh, she was good looking. She was very understanding of how much of an introvert I was. Um, and was she Thai? Yes. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, and um, were you tempted to keep going or... Oh, yeah. It, well, it was a big dilemma. Uh, I asked friends about it. You know, I, I remember some of the language I was using was I found the perfect woman. If only I could put her on ice for 10 years. <laughs> right. It's very, yeah. very thoughtful of you. Right. Yeah. Welcome to my cryogenic chamber. <laughs> this might be a bit chilly, yeah. but yeah. All right. Yeah. Right. So basically you were just in hot pursuit of other vaginas, right? Yeah, mostly. Right. And yeah. did she know that about you, that you were a player slash, I don't know, man whore? What do, you, what do you call it these days? Did she know that you were a player when she first started dating you? Yes. And did she think that you were going to change for her? Or what was the, what was the thought there, do you think? Uh, weirdly, I think it kind of made her attracted. Uh I, I don't know. It, it's really weird because she's from a really good family and she had a lot of propositions from guys in really good income brackets, really good. And 
I was, I mean, at that time, I was actually just an English teacher still on a very modest uh, salary in comparison. So I kind of feel like me being bad weirdly attracted her for some reason. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, so the the fantasy for the male is that you find some absolutely hot woman who doesn't know she's hot. You know, yeah. like the old cliche of she's in the library, she's wearing glasses, you know, her hair is in a bun, but when she drops it down, <laughs> da, 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 right. and so that's sort of one fantasy. It's sort of a beta fantasy, but it is a fantasy. But um, and, and it's it is a fantasy because women know exactly how attractive they are. There's no <laughs> there's no, no doubt about yeah. all of that. But the the fantasy for 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 women is that she tames the bad boy, right? That's that's the big, right? The, 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 the bad boy that all the other women want, she rides in and she tames. And I mean, this is, you know, Beauty and the Beast and like the bad boy just gets tamed and, and she civilizes him. And, and he, and because it's a measure of her sexual power, if she can get you to give up other vaginas, then her sexual power is paramount, so to speak, right? So, but the problem is, of course, once you're tamed, <laughs> then what once you're tamed she's gonna look for another bad boy to tame and it's like anyways that's usually the cycle right we all think that the yep. the bad repetitive behavior is just going to end with the next relationship but they generally tend to like, only accelerate yep. but all right okay so so you did break up with her and do you still see her around or do you have any contact with her no i think one of my personality flaws is i can be really uh really abrupt really uh, sort of decisive at cutting people off. I really cut yeah. her off quick. Yeah, I uh, I kind of get that with the family story there, brother. <laughs> Haven't yeah. seen your family in seven years or whatever, right? Yep. And I tell you, I mean, okay, no, no, let's go. So more information. And what were you making? If you give rough U.S. dollars or or, or Canadian dollars, sure. what were you making as a teacher um, in Bangkok? Okay, so during that period when I taught English, we're talking about a thousand odd pounds a month now. That wouldn't be much in Britain, but that was comfortably middle class in Bangkok. Wow. Now, nowadays, I'm earning, you know, double that. And, and which so is, what, which, are you paying, yeah. what are you paying for a department in Bangkok? Oh, it costs nothing here. You, you, we're talking like 200 pounds a month. You've got a condo with a pool. Now, haven't they been, been made aware of just how much the value of real estate could go up if they allowed just about everyone from the world to come into their country and drive up the <laughs> demand? Are, are they not? I mean, I thought East Asians were good at math, for heaven's sake. This is breaking all my stereotypes. All right. It's like a glimpse into an alternate future, you know, where we get to we get to go to the moon and vacation on Mars and live for 200 pounds a month uh, instead of where... Yep. We are. But anyway, all right. That's a topic for another time when I don't want to break my heart too much. So, um, okay. So how long ago was the, I guess you could call it relationship with the Golden Girls? Yes. Yep. That was three years ago. And nothing has come close ever since? No. So do you have any regrets regarding that? I'd say yes. I think my... Uh, very shallow decisions have possibly prevented me from pursuing a life where if I took a time machine into the future down that path, perhaps there could have been a nice latter life. And my selfish reasons, my shallow reasons and how I was, uh, yeah, caused a problem that and my inability to sort of connect, uh, healthily, emotionally. Right. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, if you the, the substitute for intimacy and connection is variety and stimulation. Right, that's yeah. what we that's why that's what we get, right? If you can't ever find anything at the buffet that really satisfies you, you keep going to the buffet, right? If you have a great meal, then you're you're done. So I I kind of get where you're coming from. So let's talk about what was in the email that prompted you to to call me. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been having, I've had some realizations of my own mortality. And another thing in Thailand, obviously, you know, the reputation of Thailand, it can attract some, some real low of the low, uh, older foreigners. And, oh yeah. Like the lady boy pursued creep guys, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so Basically, these people are, are walking cautionary tales. You see these washed-up 65-year-olds sat there with a glass of beer at 9 a.m., looking miserable, lonely, without children. And I think recently I've internalized that if I don't seriously start planning from the latter part of my life, I'm going to be that miserable old loser. Yeah, you know who um, – Hugh Grant – uh, so sort of comes to mind. Not not so much the guy. I don't know much about the guy, but the characters he plays. Um, what is it uh, in um, Notting Hill where he talks about being terrified of ending up, you know, middle aged, uh, stuck in an apartment with a masturbating Welshman? And um, <laughs> there's another one. I think it's Bridget Jones where he talks about you know being in his late forties uh, in a CD bar with a CD blonde and just no, there's no real future. There's nothing to build build from. And yeah, those those guys. Whew. I knew a guy. Oh Lord, I knew a guy who was mocked. Uh, I won't even say where. I want to. I, I, he was he was mocked because he basically ordered a bride from. I think it was Thailand or Cambodia or something like that, and and it was just grim. I mean, of course, you know, everybody knew he was an old, ugly guy, and I mean, he had money and all that, but uh, you know, she was only coming over to get citizenship and. And all that, and nothing but contempt, and ugh, it's uh, yeah, you know what's fun in your twenties? We all know that dot dot dot, right? It, it, it's one thing in your twenties, and it's quite another thing in your fifties, and it ain't. It's not only not the same yeah. thing; it's like the exact opposite, right? Yeah, because by then, you know, you it's sort of like Velcro, you know, like there's a certain amount of you can do Velcro for a while, and after a while, the hooks just stop working, and nothing sticks together anymore. And that's kind of like yep. our capacity to bond, right? I mean, I think men have more of yep. a capacity yep. to yep. to sort of stick and break, but for women, yep. it's it's particularly uh, terrible, right? Absolutely, right. Yeah, that that's very similar. Are you aware of a man called Rouge V? Yes, Mr. Beard. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy's uh, uh, one of my favorites. Now. He did a very good arg, uh, art, article recently, very similar to that analogy, where he talked about bonding glue mm. and how, uh, yeah, all this casual sex, it just diminishes your ability to bond with, uh, to, to pair bond with another human being over time. Yeah. And it goes and goes and goes. And it's just spot on. It's, it's an addiction, right? I mean, one of the things that characterizes addictive behavior is diminishment of sensation combined with increase in intake combined with loss of sensation per increase, right? So, you know, if you you get addicted to cocaine, you need to take more and more to get less and less of a high. And I think that the same thing is true with with promiscuity. Uh, And um, the difference being that society doesn't expect to pay for 
coke addicts, but everybody pays for the costs of STD, like STDs and unwanted pregnancies and all abortions. Society is forced to pay for the offshoots of sex addiction. But of course, you know, as I said before, it's the R versus K thing that society will sell you sexual access in return for your uh, property rights and freedoms. And um, K people don't like it, but R people do. And I guess you had sort of this R destination. I'm sorry for those who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but you could just go watch uh, Gene Wars, G-E-N-E Wars, and uh, you can get more about that. But uh, you sort of have an R predilection, probably coming from a lack of bonding as a child, and the K part of you is poking through, and you're like looking down the tunnel of time rather than the tunnel of local um, for JJ's and saying, holy shit, uh, this does not emerge to a good place, right? Yes. And kids, you were saying that you've, you've thought of that, right? Okay. So <clears throat> three, four years ago, I was considering getting a vasectomy. Right. And I was adamant I didn't want kids. I would enter the elevator and there'd be a kid there. And for that 30-second journey, I would be, like, angry. Oh, my God, there's a kid around. That's so annoying. Oh, um, my God. Dude. Yeah. Holy child is yeah. back then. All right. All right. Yeah, man. Um, I do think alcohol might have had an element in that. I noticed when I was uh, drinking a lot, I would continually get anxiety at night. My emotions were not stable. Mm. And it is night and day that difference kicking alcohol out. Mm. Um, so maybe that played a part in it. Um, it's funny, just to by the by, I, I, every now and then yeah. I just I like to completely monopolize and utilize conversations to get inconsequential thoughts out of my head. You yep. used the word adamant, and I just yes. realized this is before your time, but there was a, a sort of pop rock or glam rock performer in the 80s called Adam Ant uh, in <laughs> England. And the devil take your stereo and your record collection. But uh, it just it just struck me the other day, Adam Ant. I just thought it was like Adam Ant. And it's like, no, he means adamant. Anyway, just wanted to point that out. Okay. So let's go <laughs> on with your bit and, and ignore my <laughs> completely useless aside. All right. So you were annoyed by children when you were drinking. And, of course, if, if you're a drinker, uh, kids yeah. are hell. Because, well, you, you know, they're up yeah. early. They want to play and you got a hangover and, you know, they want attention and you're drinking. I mean, alcoholism and parenthood are like, the antithesis of each other yeah i mean maybe i've just got to smash those things together but um like yeah when i was drinking a lot i know my emotions would fluctuate up and down and up and down i'm a much more stable person uh, for the past two years where i've been working out and i've not been drinking much um so i i, I just think that had um that had a relation also i think i i my uh stance towards kids is is in the process of changing but yeah what's uh, what's been changing it do you think well a number of things um one of them quite recently actually was seeing you play in minecraft with your daughter oh yeah that yeah. was like a splash of refreshing holy water it's in such so a much dark fun that's time. what people forget right they think hedonism is about sex and like yeah okay sex is great but the real i mean the real fun is also in parenting right it looked lovely I, it was like, I was like, that's really nice. So that's one of them. And that, that, that's a more recent one. And, you know, this has happened over time. This has happened over the past two years, slowly, uh, you know, slowly and slowly and slowly. I remember I met up with um, two of my friends. Uh, you know, one of them, it, he he's always maintained, like, it's your duty to have kids and get married. And, and I, uh, you know, 
put my foot in and I, and I gave all my reasons why I was going to be single Jesus. forever. Does he I not know you at all? Like of all the people to say duty to like you, <laughs> if, of all people, it's like a complete opposite way to get you to have kids. Uh, I've been talking to him recently and he, he's, he's happy that I'm, that I'm, I'm changing on this. And, uh, you know, I, I listed off my shallow reasons why, uh, you know, I didn't want to pursue it. Uh, you know, one of my shallow reasons was, oh yeah, but, women uh after 10 years you know she's not going to look the same as when you first found her and his response to that stuck with me he's like yeah sure okay women a woman is going to hit the wall but remember man one day you will and that was i was like whoa yeah i hadn't thought about that so that was like probably the first real kick down this tunnel yeah, and sorry, uh, just just to be clear on that, I mean, we know obviously that sperm lasts longer than eggs, and male attractiveness outlasts female attractiveness. Yeah. But but that's not that's not the central issue. At some point, as you get older, as a man, you know that the woman is there for some reason other than just how you look, yeah. and. Maybe it's your virtues and all that, you know, like it could be, it could be, but there is a time where you know you're not a boyfriend, you're a sugar daddy, and that's gross. Like, that's a gross moment. Yeah, and I don't want that to be me. No, you really don't. You really don't want to have to buy it that way. That's that's yeah, not good. I mean, it's 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 even worse if you are willing to and willing to enjoy that, because then it's just about domination and bullying and, and control and... Yeah, no, it's uh, it's nasty. Yeah. So yeah, so hit, hitting the wall for the man uh, is important, and of course, by the when you hit the wall as a man, which can be it's later, you know, you can give the man an extra ten years, like forty-five or whatever. It depends, right? It depends on a number of factors. If you have a genetic predisposition to gain weight, then that's not good. Uh, if you're short, it's going to be shorter. You're <laughs> your life, your shelf life and so on. And also it depends on your hairline, right? So for, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that can be a great curse for men, you know, a great curse for women can be big boobs and a great curse for men can be, you know, one of those rock solid uh, Roman pantheon uh, legionnaire hairlines that, that doesn't give weight under the, the, the uh, waves of time. Because when you have that sort of thick hair in perpetuity, it can give you this Peter Pan sense of agelessness. Yep. Whereas, of course, if you... You start to get the, uh, the, the, you know, the four head, the five head, the six head, the, the eight head. It can sort of remind you that time, time marches on and uh, you've yep. got to start developing other qualities than, than prettiness. Yep. I'm just right, remembering, so I'm just remembering yeah. your photo. Yeah. So, all right. It's so, so weird. Yeah, go ahead. It's so weird you mentioned that. Um, do, yeah, because it's really interesting. You, I, I actually, I've just had a hair transplant. Oh, did you? Yeah, because you, yeah. you look like you've got quite the forehead in the in the photo. Yep, creeping up. Um, and that's got to be a, a, a contributing factor as well, part of the reason I'm realizing my own mortality. Yeah. No, I mean, that this is because the real reason is, like, there's an interesting question, right? The interesting question has always been, why do women lose their hair? Sorry, why do women not lose their hair, but men do? Because you sit there and say, well, gosh, if women find hairy guys more attractive, then why on earth would men lose their hair? Like, wouldn't, why wouldn't the genes for male pattern baldness have died off long ago? It's a sort of fascinating question. I have two vague answers, and none of, neither of these, of course, are scientific, and I'm curious what your thoughts are as well. But the first, of course, is that um, 
there weren't scissors throughout most of human history. So hair was like really, really tough to cut. I guess you could burn it or, you know, take a flint to it or something like that. And so guys who had no hair would be tougher in battle because you can't grab their hair, right? So that's sort of one one possibility. Uh, it could also just be a side effect of increased aggression. But I think the other thing too is that balding is a way of moving the wall ahead for men, right? So for women, it's like wrinkles and sagging butt and, and you know, the cougar, cougar land stuff, right? And so for women, they get the wall indications come much earlier than for men. But for men, if you start to lose your hair, then it's a reminder that you've got your own wall. And what happens is you say, well, I'm really got to settle down, right? I've really got to settle down. And because you become more mature, more responsible earlier on, those genes have a higher chance of surviving because you aren't just playing around and screwing around and stuff like that. So it's sort of an interesting question if, if men, like why men, still bald and, and women don't. Yeah, I, I think you're onto something with the second one. Uh, it, it really gave me a kick up the bum. It, yeah. Now, tell me a little bit, just out of curiosity, uh, what's what's the story with the... So they take the hair from the back of your head and they yep. carve it into the, the top, right? Because the, it, yes. it's, it's by individual hair follicle, hair losses. So if you've got hair in the back of your head and you move it to the front, it grows forever, right? Yeah, the hair in the back of your head and on the sides, that uh, never falls out. I think the reasons along the lines of it is not as susceptible to a chemical called DHT. Uh So that tends to stay giving you the fryer tuck piece and the rest falls out. So what they do is they cut a strip from the back of your head, uh, cut it up into portions and then stick it individually in the top. And how much did that run you? Um, It it was, hmm, we're talking about, how much was it in pounds? I think it was about 5,000 pounds. Holy crap. Yeah. And uh, it, it, how long does, how many, how many operations does it take? Uh, it, for me, this one should, it should, it, generally people do need more than one over time. Like, cause you, you do the front and the back falls out. So you do the back. Um, it seems as if doing the front will keep me good for like 10 years, maybe. I don't know. Um, the, oh, and then it might sort the, of recede under and then you get that weird looks like you've been in a fire look, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. And um, it also has improved a lot. Like it's way back in the day. It really did look like like Ken doll plug. They were called plugs, right? Because you could really kind of see yeah. it. There was like scar tissue, and and you could see the tufts, and like they were all clustered together. I think it's improved quite a bit since those early days. I think. Yeah, they they've refined it definitely. Yeah. Right. And um, is it painful? No, it was just annoying because for about ten days I had to sleep, basically sat up, uh, you know, face to the ceiling oh, but that was the only annoying part right right and are you pleased with uh, well, I guess can you tell I mean how long ago did you do this oh I only well I, I only did it f- five weeks ago so it's obviously playing a big factor in uh, my current uh, thinking and uh, you, you you actually can't see the results for you know like eight months to a year oh really so it's, yeah Is yeah because yeah. like the, the follicles are traumatized by moving and, yes. and uh, yeah. Holy they shit, I didn't dormant. know that. 
Yeah, yeah, they they go dormant. Uh, you lose, you actually lose some of the other hair on your head through shock loss. Well, and, and removal, right? So you get balder yeah. for like a year before you get your hair back. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I'm I glad got, now I never I looked remember. into it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't I say, yeah. but you know that's that's different for me. But anyway, go on. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Part of me was thinking like, oh, have I really made the right decision? Um, well, it's interesting. I've got to go back to work in a few days, and they're going to be like, what the hell has happened to you? Oh well. I was in a fire. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll play well. No, but so, but tell me, so when did you first notice your hair loss? Ah, it's really weird because you don't. Re- I I didn't really notice it on myself because I was used to having my sort of Dragon Ball Z hair where I stick it up at the front and I've got my blonde quiff. And, you know, I was, I was playing that game for a while. I, I, I don't, wait, I, hang on. Sorry, there's like way too many references here that I don't have a fucking clue yeah, what you're talking about. All right. I, so sorry. did you sort of brush it forward and then up in, at the widow's peak? Well, it, would, it was up and then it'd be sort of to the side. And then I remember a few years ago, I had a haircut and I walked into work and... Like one of the staff joked to me, he's like, oh, going bald. I was like, what? I'm not going bald. And uh, no, they were right. And I realized it was sort of receding and then it was thinning. And it it, it really um, ex- exacerbated in the past two years. Uh, I hadn't really noticed it. It's it's really weird. I, did, I didn't really notice it on myself. But it, yeah, it was getting very thin and diffuse at the top. I was really, you know. Like Widow's Peak with a front promontory or, or the whole thing? We're talking Widow's Peak with thinning of the hair. Ah, right. Okay. So you weren't going full Dracula. Okay. Cause some, that can be kind of weird where you get that, like, it's like pulling back a, um, a, a um, uh, <laughs> oh, occasionally that this, please serve me up the next word. Uh, um, oh, those Y shaped things, the catapult. It's like, yeah, you've got this, like, pulling back a, 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 a catapult string and it gets longer. And like, like that's that sort of, you got hair at the front, but it just kind of all angling up on the back to go away. And that can look actually kind of cool, make you look like a speedboat for a while, but it is kind of a losing battle. And so this yeah. was in your 20s, right? You started to thin out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, really, so was know, this horrifying? Did this like consume your mind? Or are you like, oh shit, I'm doomed? Or what What was it? Yeah, it was hard to take. Uh, I, I was you know, sad about it. Uh, part of me thought about two years ago, because I kind of saw it happen in part of me for if I just hit the gym and bulk up, it'll be a lot less bad. Oh, shit. Is that why you went to the gym? That's part of the reason, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? I, I mean, I've said this before, but, you know, we always got the new listeners. Being bald is like having tiny tits. And you can have tiny tits if you're not overweight. Yep. You know, like for a woman. Because, you know, if you've got big boobs and you're overweight, you know, it's still vaguely proportional kind of thing. But if you have small boobs and you're overweight, now you can have small boobs, but you can't be overweight. And it's the same thing. If you're bald, you can do bald, but you can't do fat. Now, if you've got thick hair, I don't know why, but you can kind of get away with the extra weight. Because then you're just like this big, retarded Victorian schoolboy or something like that. But if you're bald, like you, you, it's another reason why maybe being bald has survived because it helps people to, to stay trim. Because you, you, be, you cannot be bald and fat. You can't – like I remember – Peter Gabriel, the, the singer, uh, I don't know what he's been doing over the last 20 years or whatever, but Peter Gabriel was a singer when I was younger who, I guess, originally founded Genesis and then went off for his solo career and so on. And he's a, you know, cucktastic guy in, in horrible ways and was not good at all for South Africa and other things like that. But anyway, neither here nor there. So he had, you know, full head of hair, good looking guy, a very charismatic, great performer. And I didn't see him for a while. And then I was down at uh, the Air Canada Centre in Toronto 
And there was this is many years ago, and there was a, a video of a picture of the guy like coming soon, Peter Gabriel, and it's like, why is Uncle Fester <laughs> coming to sing Peter Gabriel songs? <laughs> because he'd bloated up and he lost his hair, like Billy yeah. Joel style, right? And I was like, okay, dude, you know, there's nothing wrong with losing your hair, but you can't be like you you can you can lose your hair Bruce Willis style, but you gotta stay relatively. You don't have to be skinny because if you if you lost your hair and you're too skinny, people just assume you're sick. But uh, yeah. you have to. St- so maybe it's another thing that encourages men to to sort of work out, adds to their survivability and genetics. I don't know that there's some positive thing genetically about about hair loss, which is the only reason why. And I also the other thing too is that frankly, in my experience, women don't care. They don't care. Everybody thinks that they care, but um, women women don't care. Yeah. Um, well, I had a friend, and uh, he he was slick bald, and. I remember him saying like years ago, if you're going to be bald, don't be Moby. Now, <laughs> Moby, the, uh, the, the singer and the, the recording artist, yeah, right? Yeah, the, 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 the really left-wing singer, vegan guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, remember, I remember hearing, he's got this, I don't know, the, like the one album that I know of his. He had this great blues number on it. And, of course, I just heard the blues number. I'm like, damn, this cat's got to be fierce looking. And I look at this guy and he's like a soy-based thumb uh it's like well that's i haven't had this experience since rick astley so uh yeah, yeah it's uh anyway so so you did kind of freak out a little right and you're like yeah clock's ticking away time's ticking away yeah 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 i think being bald actually saved me from the wrong woman i think really I think. yeah well so balding right so i guess i'd lost most of my hair by my early 30s or whatever but um i was dating this half dating this woman uh, and she was quite a bit younger than I was and you know see when a woman really falls for you and it's the right thing you just you feel comfortable you feel yourself but when a woman is interested in you and it's a calculation thing on her part like a monkey branching thing or a status thing or then then she's sitting there saying well I like this guy he's you know he's cool he's funny he's smart he's you know I mean I'm in the software industry so I was doing all right and has this calculation on her, which is like, yeah, but, you know, because he's balding, he looks older, and he is already older than me, so if my, I don't want to be look, I don't want to look like the girl who's the gold digger, right, and I, if I introduce him to my friends, is, are they going to say, like, whoa, what you dating cue ball there for, you know, oh, can't you do any better, or whatever, right, and um, so, yeah, she, I could see that kind of calculation, and I was like, no, 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 that's, because that's your calculation, right, which is, uh, like when you were younger, like, well, her, she's not going to look the same after babies and stuff like that. It's like if the guy uh, – if you if you don't go bald and you stay relatively, you know, fit and, and you eat well and, and so on, then for guys, there's this great stasis between like 20 and 50. Like you got like 30 years where, you know, things don't really change that much, right? But if you're balding, then that's taken back 10, 15 or sometimes even 20 years. So I think she was looking down the tunnel of time and saying, okay, well, I'm this age, he'll be that age and you might be completely bald and then things, you know, will. And so those kind of calculations were just kind of like gross. So I'm like, yeah, okay, well, you know, good luck. Good luck finding the guy you want. Yeah. And it was actually the right, uh, the right decision. So um, it can help. There you go. The, the evolutionary protection of balding. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that would have definitely been a uh, monkey branch for, for me over time. So, um, all right. So, yeah. So that's interesting because, you know, I mean, what is it? I said like 80 or 90 percent of guys start losing their hair or have hair thinning by the time 
they're sort of in their 60s or like it's it's just one of these things that's ridiculously common to the point where you know you like you see an older guy with like the full head of hair and it's like whoa <laughs> how many virgins yeah. did your ancestors kill to get you that luxurious yeah. lion king mane right but uh uh it is yeah it is uh it is one of these things you don't like at the time but if you sort of look at the big arc of your life well i guess you don't have to because you got the hair transplants uh, what is it Joe Rogan calls it? The ring of shame? Because I think he tried it and it didn't work or something like that. But mm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So you got this done. And was yeah. it a tough decision to to make it? Because, you know, that's that's some serious coin. Uh, nope, not at all. I found out about the price and I went, yep, that's fair. Stick head on my hair. Right. It, I really didn't. Yeah, I, I, I did kind of weigh up just, nah, no, I didn't really weigh up shaving it. To be honest, I was just like, yeah, let's try it. My, my, my thought was this, let's go for it. And then if it doesn't work brilliantly, okay, whatever I've tried. Yeah, no, I, I, people say to me, like shave your head and it's like, you can't do that when you're over 30, really. Like you, you kids again, you just look unwell and, uh, it's not, unless, and like, okay, if you're John Luke Picard and you weigh like 140 pounds and you're almost six feet or whatever the hell he is, some sort of popsicle stick on legs then then okay uh, but uh, it's really not uh, it's not a great look when you get a uh, when you get older in my humble opinion some people can pull it off right i mean obviously nobody's going to say to the rock uh, <laughs> it's a bad look for him but yeah, um, yeah it's uh, the, the shaving the head thing is not usually a very good long term uh, long term thing especially when you get older because well anyway chemo and all that kind of stuff so all right okay well thanks thanks for that aside that's uh, that's interesting so if you hadn't decided to get the hair transplants what do you think that would do to your confidence it would have reduced my confidence how much a lot right right because you would have perceived yourself as unattractive yeah and like all before my time right right so here's yeah i mean Here's some of the challenges, right, that, that are going on. Um, you you know, you're going to get old, right? Yeah. And you won't be able to hide it. Yeah. You won't be able to hide it. And the real question, I think, is what kind of women do you want to attract? So the woman who dated you for six weeks, right, from the good family and, and great prospects and so on, did she make a mistake? Did she make a mistake? Dating you. Uh, well, yeah, because I hurt her when I broke up with her. Right. So she, she now would you say, um, would she say, would you say that she was like a higher or the highest quality woman that you've dated in terms of potential? Because... You know, you, you said that she was like the perfect girl, right? Uh, she, yeah. I, if I was looking for like someone to be the mother of my kids, she ticked a lot of the boxes. So I would say so, yes. Okay. So the highest quality woman made a mistake dating you. I would say yes. I mean, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But that's sort of the empirical information that I, I'm getting. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I just want to see. Where, where we're going, just, I, I just want to... Well, okay, so when yeah. I say this, that the highest quality woman made a mistake dating you, what do you think of that yeah. statement? Hmm. 
uh, that tells me I have some big problems. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, yeah. it does. Now, with the hair loss, and this is sort of why I'm focused on it, with the hair loss, would a high-quality woman care if you had a physical attribute beyond your control, like balding? No. I no, don't think – I mean, she, she might yeah. have a vague preference for you to not be bald, but, you know, when it came to, you know, we, we – <laughs> If you want to spend 60 years together with someone, the number of hairs on their head don't add up to a huge amount, right? Oh, she didn't care. Oh, um, she didn't care. I, uh, she didn't care. I told her. She was like, I don't care. Right. 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 Okay. So if the highest quality women don't care, what did you just spend 5,000 pounds on? Uh, I think I did it because it was my way of prolonging the hedonistic uh, life uh, which I've lived. It right. was the way of uh, prolonging being the uh, fresh-faced blonde kid for, you know, five, ten years longer. It's a trash attractor. Yeah. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. Right. So you paid $5,000 to make sure that the lowest quality women would still find you appealing. Wow. Yep. Right. Now... <laughs> Here's another question. What do you think of women who've had a boob job? <laughs> I think maybe that's a red flag and maybe that's someone who you I think? wouldn't want to be the mother. <laughs> do you yeah. think it might be a red flag in any way, shape or form? Why would a woman get a boob job? Yeah. So why do you think a woman would get a boob job? Uh, well... Same reason I got a hair transplant. Right. Right. Except women well, don't start with big boobs and deflate. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's kind of funny thing with hair, right? But so, okay. Yeah. So if a woman said to you, I've had a boob job. Yeah. Well, first of all, you'd probably know. And some women would certainly know that you'd had a hair transplant, right? Yep. So what, I don't know if you've ever been with a woman who's had a boob job, but if she, if you have, or if you've had that conversation, or if you can imagine that conversation, what would you think of a woman who'd had a boob job? I would think that I would not want to enter a long-term relationship with her. Right. Why is that? It would be a red flag. It would be that she, yeah, well, ah, there you go. It would be that she's undertaken a procedure. She spent money on a procedure in order to, uh, yeah, keep attracting uh, low-quality men. Right. Yeah, because, of course, uh, a high-quality man uh, is not going to particularly care, right, about the size of a woman's boobs. Oh. So yep. the good news is, now, do you have any scarring up there, or, or how's it looking? Uh, well, you, you get like a you get a line scar on the back of your head, and it goes down and down and down to like a pencil line. But for yeah, it, it's going to be very obvious for the for the next couple of months that I've had something done. Because you've got like a red, what a red ridge. I mean, we're not talking full Frankenhead, but what what do you got up there? So on the back of my head, I've got this sort of red line scar. Yeah. Uh, kind of Franken style style, but it's gone down. Um, and then on the top of my head, I've got sort of like a pink area 
it was red and then it sort of goes pink and then eventually it levels out and it's the same color as your normal scalp but is there is there any scarring um permanently the the only thing that will remain obvious is that there will be a hairline scar on the back of my head right uh the the doctor i had it with is quite renowned for being able to make that basically a thin pencil line right right i might have i mean five five large pounds is is fairly hefty so i assume he's he's good right it's not something you want to skimp on like if you're going to do it nah. <laughs> like a vasectomy oh, you no, don't want God. the half price right okay <laughs> right yeah okay all right so what would you like to get out of this combo uh hmm. what i'd like to get i want to answer this well I would like to be able to get closer to what I'm really thinking. Uh, I can't really answer that well. Okay, let's go further back then, because there's a reason why you can't answer that. So, you weren't close to your parents growing up, right? No. And what did they do? And I, I like, let me just sort of give you um, a, a brief glimpse, right? So, to my life, right? So, this morning. I uh, went out for brunch with my daughter, right? And we were laughing and, and sort of making jokes and just you know, having a blast, right? And I said to her, I said, listen, no pressure, honey, but uh, you, you, you're not allowed to move out because this is too much fun. And um, so, yeah, no pressure. You know, it would be great if you could, you know, have a life that, that would start, but I'm afraid uh, you're too much fun and I uh, simply can't allow it. So I said, you know, you're welcome to have a social life. Maybe... 10 years after I'm dead. Uh, but before that, yeah, no, not so much, right? So it's just too much fun. And then she's like, oh, Dad, I, I made a coffee for you. It's a little bubbly. <laughs> kind of funny, right? Cause after I'm dead. Anyway, so, um, and, and I mean, obviously, I was kind of kidding, but it's kind of true. Like, she's closer to leaving than being born. And, I mean, it's, it's anim- I don't know how parents let their kids go. Like, it's, I, at this point in my life, I have no clue how parents actually let their kids go. I don't really understand that whole empty nest thing. It's like before I became a father, but it's like, yeah, she can get up. She can go on with her life. And I'm like, I'll be sitting there alone having brunch with my wife. And, you know, which is, you know, I love my wife and all that, but uh, it's not quite as goofy as it is with my daughter, which is probably quite appropriate. <laughs> but uh, um, so the idea that I just like wouldn't talk to her for years, like I, it's, it's so beyond comprehension. I can't, like, I can't even yeah. tell you. And just, just sort of give you a reference point of sort of where I'm coming from when you say that. I'm not disagreeing with your choice because, you know, you had your family and you've made your choices. But just in terms of what I think a healthy relationship is between parents and kids, that's sort of where I'm coming from. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I didn't realize how unhealthy it was until I saw other examples of healthy relationships. But this has been a longstanding thing. Uh, even when I was young, like when I was 10 years old, you know, other kids, they'd run up and they'd kiss their mother in the playground. Uh, I wouldn't do that. I was kind of embarrassed. By your parents? Yeah. Right. And what was embarrassing about them? I, I was trying to probe back into why this is. And as a sort of disclaimer, I do kind of feel like it's middle class problems in a way because I wasn't like sexually abused or anything as a kid but anyway i'll go what are you saying into there's it. No sexual um, abuse the middle class all right okay never mind that's a topic for another time okay go well, ahead. okay i'm trying to probe into <clears throat> what this was and you know i remember being being really young and, and and like 
my father and my two older sisters would give me, you know, they 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 tease me a lot about me being my mother's favorite, like a lot, mm. like more than a joke, like nicknames and stuff. And I can I look back and I realize got to the point when I was like eight or ten years old, and whenever my mum would show me some affection, I'd really push it back. Oh yeah. So basically, it's like uh, if if you are perceived to be the parents' favorites, and the other siblings will move in to block that and have you reject the mother because they, yeah. you know, mama's boy, uh, golden boy, yep. or you can do no wrong, or the apple of her eye, and and then they try to move you to reject your mother so that they can try and carve off more of her attention, right? Yeah. <sighs> it's an elemental move. It's like it's like the the, the piglets trying to get the. The udder, right? Or the nipples of the mama pig is shoveling and pushing. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So my response was, was to react like that. And I, and I really pushed it away. And I, I've, I have a very bizarre relationship. Well, I mean, it says it all seven years, literally not a single word exchanged in seven years. Wow. Like, you know, and it wasn't a big, was it, I mean, I assume because there's no bond or doesn't seem to be much of a bond. I assume there wasn't some big blow up that, you know, that the, the screamy re reverberations of which echo in your heart, mind and soul to this day. It was just like, I'm off. Yeah, I'm bye. That kind of was the ending. Yeah. I, I remember waving to her and uh, she said, see you in a year. And I knew it wasn't going to be a year. So, she, so there really was this sense of like, you weren't going to just weren't going to talk. Right. Oh, yeah, I, I knew. When I got on the plane to South Korea, I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. So, okay, okay. So yeah. it wasn't even like a shrug. It was like a breaking out of prison thing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, why? Do you mean, did your parents play with you? Did they have conversations with you? Did they enjoy your company that you can recall? There were some good moments. Um, yeah, I mean, well, okay. Firstly, and this might... Yeah. Well, firstly, in terms of materialistic stuff, you know, that was great. Fine. All my needs were met, uh, were met there. Um, there were some good moments, but I just felt, you know, I feel disappointed with my father. I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like we really didn't connect beyond surface level. Um, his interaction with me would generally just be a lot, a lot of sort of, ah, it, Right, it'd be like a lot of like teasing, but he'd he'd do it so much. Oh, that British that, shit! Oh fuck yeah! No, I know that I, stuff is I so exhausting. So, yeah, it's so exhausting. like constant, continual put down. It's like, all right, we get the joke, can we move on? It got to the point where I used to actually make him angry just so we could talk normally again. Right, right. Yeah, um, I, I've I've known people like that, and it, it is a British thing, a British derived thing. Like a friend of mine with who had British parents when I was a kid, like all he did, and and I don't know if it's too much fucking Monty Python or something, or or I don't know what, but it's like there's this constant put downs and eye rolls, and and you're you know incompetent and you're pathetic and you're a goof, and 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 oh, it's just like, ugh, oh, yeah, I get it, you know, you 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 conquered three quarters of the world and you kind of, but you know, can you not be so German and just find a balance somewhere in the middle between megalomania and self contempt, like <laughs> Jesus. Mm. Yeah, no, that is that is exhausting and debilitating. And I've actually, I, I remember, uh, I ended a friendship over over just this, where yeah. a friend of mine, when we were in social gatherings, 
I guess he was kind of competitive or something like that. And he would just bring up stories wherein I didn't look particularly good or I'd made a mistake or I'd forgotten something or whatever it is, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't mind a couple of those. I've, I've, I think, a healthy ability to laugh at myself. But you know when it's just like, can we – like, the thing, can we move on? Like, okay, this like, yeah. is like every single time and why is this so constant, right? I mean, why never a story where I do something right or smart or intelligent because, like, I'm a smart guy and all that? And, uh, yeah, it is uh, – after a while, it's just like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. Sorry. <laughs> we have a complete mismatch as to how we esteem me, and uh, I'm not adopting yours. So I uh, can't, can't yeah. really hang out. And, and bear in mind, I was a kid, so yeah. I, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I look back, and I'm just, I'm just irritated with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and, and even like nowadays, the, the only conversations we've had literally for the past 10 years are fleeting conversations about football. Mm. I, I don't really care about football. <laughs> Even uh, when I was at university and I'd go home, you know, I'd be at university, go home for two weeks. It's like, all right, so how long are you here for? Uh, I'm here for two weeks. Okay, cool. And then it's upstairs to my room, uh, my TV. It's interesting. Uh, most of my family life, uh, we were all in five separate rooms watching TV, literally five separate rooms, mother and father separated. Holy shit. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, and I, to me, like, I, it's not like I can't stand it, but it's like I was driving uh, back home with my daughter yesterday, and we fell silent for about 10 seconds, and she's like, well, that's weird. <laughs> Which is true, right? Because we're just blah, 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 chat, 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 chat. Uh, we're doing so. I've introduced Aristotle and Plato into our Dungeons & Dragons campaign, so we have a lot to chat about. But anyway, um, that's, yeah, that's terrible. And and this idea yeah. that everyone's off in their own room doing their own thing, yep. um, that's like, to me, that's like the air running out of the room. Like, I can live with it for a little while, but I got to kind of do something about it fairly quickly after that. Oh, I'm they sorry, did nothing man. about it. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't speak to my – right, literally. I, I'm a bit fuzzy on it because it's a long time ago. Um, you know, I used to, you know, squabble a lot with my sister when I was young um, and then, you know, sort of make up over it and – but I remember I got to about 11 years old and like she, she kind of, she trashed my room and she trashed your room. Why? I don't know. She's, oh, she's, ugh. well, I do not like her. Um, you know, it, it would go back and forth. So for, for years we would sort of squabble and things and argue and then it'd be like, all right, and make up and stuff like that. Um, and it got to a point where I kind of noticed my parents were not, being a united front and they weren't being uniform with the punishments and i felt like they were not punishing her enough mm. and i also just didn't really i just got irritated with her so i just stopped speaking to her and yeah i, I didn't speak to my sister and this that's yeah, why in the same house right in the same house we would sit at the dinner table opposite each other we wouldn't look at each other and, and your parents didn't do anything about this they tried one time, like oh, God. two years on from me. Two not years, speak. you weren't speaking to your yeah. sister, and your parents are like, "Hey, maybe something's wrong here." Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. And then we sort of sat in the lounge and had a chat about it. It's like it the kinda... it's like the nine eleven architect, like the architect of the twin towers, showing up in two thousand and four, saying, "You know, something's different. Yeah. Something's changed." 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we had this sort of like very tepid surface level, um, all right, we'll do better. And then it just didn't really work. And yes, I, 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 me and my sister have exchanged probably about 100 words with each other um, over the over the past uh, 15 years. And it's always been, you know, containing loss of swearing. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. And it's and it's my parents have never been a united front on that. Uh, my sister went through like she um, I mean, she got knocked up at 15 oh and abortion. God. Uh, she was on antidepressants. She was a very horrible person, very cancerous person. Um, and this is, this is the younger of my two older sisters. And her and my older one, my older ones, she's she's a nicer person. And, you know, they'd fall out. They'd be screaming at each other. And it would be the bad one's fault. But my, my mother would always say, leave it, Sarah, you know, to the good one. Like, don't, like, appeasing the crocodile sort of thing. Well, of course. I mean, this is standard family dynamics when you, or social dynamics when you don't have any principles as you just appease the most aggressive person and claim that you're somehow being moral. Yeah. yeah. And my, my mother, to, to, the, to the later part of, uh, of my childhood, she would protect my sister no matter what she did. And right. she, she'd go against my father. They were not a united front right. at all. Well, that must mean that your mother and your sister the, the dysfunctional one you say uh she has some characteristics oh man they do yeah yeah oh, so she's protecting similar even... genes similar personality it's horrible yeah. in-group preference amoral style my, my father said to me once i was when i was about nine nineteen uh he said well it looks like me you and your older sister have got all the good genes <laughs> oh man there's a, a great quote terrifying <laughs> quote from gertrude stein who had a dysfunctional relationship with her brother. And she said, regarding her brother, little by little, we never met again. Yeah. It's always going to give me the chills. That this is the way some relationships end, not with a bang, but a whimper. Oh, that that's it. It, it ended with a whimper. And, ah, mm. uh, oh, man, I remember one time I went home uh, from university in like my second year. And I, just, I was just sat in my house like, why is my family like this? Uh, I can't, I don't know why, but I wrote like a, a, a letter and I put it on my desk and then I, I went back to uni and, uh, I remember my dad asking me about it and he was like, are we going to get any strange messages left this time? It's like, <sighs> what was the message was like, why is my family like this? What, what, what was in the message? I was like, is this all this family is what we, I just sort of come back from uni and then, all right, see you, your room's up there. Okay. See you in my room. Okay. When are you coming back? Uh, five weeks all right cool see you it's, like, all... it's like you were raised by like va vacant <laughs> and angry ghosts like you were in a haunted house rather than a house with people yeah jesus oh and then, and, okay and, and... so so this is why you're jumping from hole to hole right yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. gotta okay. be because connection family like you get more connection from anonymous sex than you would in your family of origin history right that is correct right you get more sensation from anonymous sex rather than a family that there's no conversation, there's no chatting, there's no enjoyment, there's no playtime, there's no trust, there's no, right? There's like, they're not there. Yep. Right. So, yeah, you, uh, you were kind of like, the image I get is your mom squatting over a grave when she gave birth. I, yeah. You're oh, born it, it into was... a coffin of, of social 
absence and and a kind of living death like this proximity without intimacy is worse than anything because if you're alone you have your own thoughts you can do your own thing and and enjoy your own company uh and if you're with people and you're connected that's great too but being around people without being connected is a kind of existential torture yeah and uh yeah i so from well i mean like for my but right when my parents would come home from work, my mom would go into the living room and she'd be in there alone. And this happened for literally like 15, 20 years. She'd, you know, Coronation Street? Yeah, yeah. Right. So she'd watch these like crappy British soaps for five hours a night. And if oh, you went in and God. talked to her uh, when it wasn't the advert break, she'd get annoyed. I'm watching my shows. <laughs> yeah. 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 What oh, sorry. I just... <laughs> no, that's sorry, horrible. Because then the other thing, too, it's like. Well, son, the people I really care for are two-dimensional strangers on the other side of that screen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, soaps are like the pornography of the woman's heartlessness. I'm sorry to say all some middle-class problems. So, okay, now the question. How physically attractive were your parents when they were younger? Oh, okay. Um... Oh, my dad was good looking. Yeah. Yeah. And your mom? My mom was pretty good. Yeah, my mom was good looking. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's why they got together. Wow. So it's a good, <laughs> it's a good thing you're staying pretty now, isn't it? So you can end up with a woman just like dear old mom. Wow. No, it's, if you want to understand your life, one of the biggest questions you can ask is, why were my parents attracted to each other? Why did they get married? Why did they have children? It's a foundational question about you because it's why you exist. And it's the most likely pattern you are to repeat, especially if you never ask that question. Why were your parents attracted to each other? Why did they get together? Why did they have children? And if they stayed together, why did they stay together? Now, my guess is that your parents stayed together because of vanity. Uh, Do go on. Well, if they got together based on looks, then that's vanity, right? I want to look good with this empty-headed, socially avoidant, endless, sarcastic joke cracker on my arm. So, and then when you are in these shitty, empty, non-relationships, lost deep in interstellar space of nothingness contact, why do you stay together? Because it looks bad to get divorced, you see. Oh, my God, yeah. Vanity, right? You get yep, together for vanity, and you stay together for vanity. That's amazing. Why yeah. do you not want to, like, why do you appease the troublesome child? Because if there's big blow-ups, your family looks bad, and they might even sound bad to outsiders, so you just have to appease no matter what. Bloody hell. I tell you, it's interesting. Um, we are <laughs> going back into middle-class British life. Um, so, like, my, my grandfather, like, he's from... Uh, you know, he's from a good background. He ha he remarried and, uh, you know, had a, had a nice wife. And it was really odd. When we used to go and visit them, my parents would put on this, like, ultra middle class show. Mm. And they'd act really posh. And yep. they would call me Nicholas. Yep. Like, they, never, they never called me Nicholas. I was like, what are you doing? My name's Nick. Right. Um, and they get really angry if I pointed that out in front of them. I'd be like, what? why are you calling me Nicholas for? Oh, that's so lower class. What, what? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I, I always want. I, oh, yeah, wow. there you go. There's there's the answer, right? Vanity. Unbelievable. Yeah. Vanity. See, they don't care about putting on a show when there's no one to watch. And who the fuck are the kids, right? They're just they're people oh, like, who are, right? There's gosh. no one to watch. You go out in public, though, holy shit, people can see, they can judge. Anonymous eyeballs oh, matter so much more than the eyeballs you actually gave birth to, right? Man, there are so many cues which support that. It was always like if there was a problem in the household, the, the response my mother would give was, shh, people can hear you. There you go. Oh, my God. You get it? And uh, Yeah, and my father would be like, like you know, um, I don't want you to show us up. Yep. Let's put on a good yeah. show. What? Bloody hell. I tell you, because one of the times I went back uh, for uni, I, I was sort of sat in the house. I was like, why am I here? Why don't I just go sit in my room two hours away? Yep. So I went back abruptly. And that decision meant that I couldn't attend my stepgrand's birthday. And my father was angry about that. He was like, well, you said you were going to go. I was like, is that all you care about? Right, right. Oh You're going to look God. bad, son. It's yeah. like this uh, in, in uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian towards the end. I think it's Michael Palin plays this very tentative uh, centurion uh, telling people, uh, you know, don't, don't let the team down. The people carrying their crosses to their own crucifixion, you know, like, let's put on a good show. Don't let the team down. And it's like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, oh that's, a British, that's a bit of a British pathology and it's not unique. Yep. I mean, you want to talk about a shame-based culture, you know, nothing further than the Japanese, right? Or, or some other East Asian countries are very much that honor and shame-based society. But in England, there's this peculiar, you know, people are coming, let's pretend we're normal. And then when there aren't people around, you can just sag back into your non-existence. Bingo. It's like yeah. the night at the museum, except the exhibits only come to life when the people are there. The rest of the time, they're just dead and dusty. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God, there's so many cues which which support that. So many things they used to say. Yeah. Right. So so you have a vanity with regards to sexual conquests and personal attractiveness. And listen, I'm, I, I've, I have no particular issue with vanity. It's not, not to me like I know it's one of the seven deadly sins and so on. I don't mind, you know, if your vanity gets you to the gym and, and stops you from gaining weight and like there's nothing wrong with the, wanting to look good and, and wanting to present well and all of that. Right. That's, you know, that's um, that's fine. Like, so to me, it's not like, well, you have to be completely free of any personal self-regard or sense of appearance. Like, that, that's not it at all. But there's something in the middle, right? We all know the people who could use a little more personal pride in their appearance. And we all know the people that that's all they live for. And you need something in the middle, right? And I think vanity is slavery. Vanity, excessive vanity is just slavery because you're not free to do anything other than appease the potential negative judgments of others. And, and a lot of times those negative judgments are just imaginary, right? Like, so yeah, the vanity is, uh, is a big thing. And when you start looking, see kids are the opposite of vanity. Because a woman sacrifices some degree of her looks to have kids, right? I mean, you, you can be trim after you have kids, of course, right? And you, But your belly's never quite the same, and your boobs are never quite the same, and it does age you a little bit. And so women burn their vanity to, to, to make the fire that brews the kids, right? And, and that's fine. Men also burn some of their sexual vanity because when you get married and you have kids, you better not fuck around with other women, right? So you've got to, you've got to uh, come to terms with your 
sexual conquest vanity, which is kind of built into every man, right? We can go R versus K, right? We got we got some flexibility that way. And so women have to give up physical vanity. Men have to give up sexual conquest vanity. Women have to give up monkey branching. Men have to give up trading in the woman for a younger version. And this is the whole monogamy thing. So family and children, if you have excessive vanity, well, it's interesting because I bet your parents also had kids because that was expected and it was considered weird if you didn't because they sure as hell didn't seem to actually want them. Mm. Right? So, uh, yeah, vanity and uh, childhood uh, children. And this is this is your conflict, right? Which is that you have some susceptibility to vanity. And yep. uh, also, uh, at the same time, uh, you want uh, a family. You might want kids. You want stability. You want pair bonding. And you're going to have to burn up some of that vanity to make that happen. Yeah. It's well worth it, I'll tell you that. It's well worth it. Because vanity is a losing battle. Kids are a winning battle. That's what it looks like, yeah. It is, yeah, for sure. It is. Like, yeah. Do you really think my daughter's going to say, when she gets older, well, my dad's bald, so I really don't think I could spend any time with him. <laughs> you know, like, come on, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, it's silly, right? Yeah, oh. I, I can't see your daughter getting on a plane to South Korea and saying, all right, see ya. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, not without me in her luggage, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, no, right. I can't surprise! See you go, All <laughs> right. right, okay, see ya. Right. Oh, give me an email in three months, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not, not seeing that likely. I bought her uh, dungeon dice, honey. Let's play. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, no, well. that's I know, no, that's that's not going to happen. And, you know, if at some point, and she may want to go off and travel the world, then we'll, you know, we'll stay in touch, and, and I'll try and sort of go and see her from time to time. And Right, I mean, it's, it's like, I'm, like, just, I'm so sorry. Like, we're just fundamentally, I'm incredibly sorry for this isolation and tension and frustration that you, alienation, right, that you experienced yeah. as a child. To me, uh, your parents were um, very uh, abusive. Because... Really? Oh, absolutely. No, I'll tell you why. I'll tell yeah. you why. Listen, I mean, you've heard me made this analogy before, so I'll keep it brief. But... I don't owe everyone in the world food, but if I lock someone in my basement and I don't feed them, I'm guilty of murder, right? Yes. Your parents don't owe social interactions to everyone in the world, but when they have children, they damn well do. Nick, yeah. they damn well do. They owe you social interactions as surely as they owe you food and shelter and healthcare. It's their okay. job yeah. because you're not out yeah. in the world. You can't go make that shit yeah. up on your own. Because, I don't have to. Yeah, I don't have to teach. I don't have to teach everyone in the world English. Yeah. But I have to teach my daughter, right? Gotcha. Yeah, it's just Stefan. My, my. The, I mean, part of the reason my objection to that is like every in terms of materialistically, everything was provided for. Like that was always met. So I always felt a bit um, like kind of silly, complaining in a way. No, no, no. See, here's the thing. You would have been better off if your parents had met fewer of your material needs and at least some of your genuine, legitimate emotional needs. I agree. Like, I have a friend who told me a story when we first met many, many years ago. Because, uh, you know, he was asking me about my childhood and I was telling him and, and, you know, and so on. And he was saying, you know, like, I'm sorry. He said, like, but remember the... um, you know, the fact that uh, that you didn't have enough, he said, listen, I, mean, I just want to give you the view from the other side. He said, I grew up in an upper middle class family and nobody talked to me. And yeah. he said, listen, I remember one time I was like, 
I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, I left my bike somewhere. And the next morning, I had a new bike. No problem. Like, like that. Yeah. And I think because I'd said, like, I, I, I never had a new bike when I was a kid. I used to get that Adam Sandler seven different colors bike for all assembled from stuff I'd found at the dump. <laughs> and he said, like, it's horrible because you're comfortable and you're empty. Yes. And that's the worst. Like, at least I got... I hate to say this, like, like it's a. At least I just got the shit beaten out of me and stuff like that, because like that's identifiable, right? This weird. Everyone's in their own rooms, all watching TV, and you can't interrupt your mom because she's got her face glued to some shitty screen with shitty yeah. soaps on it for five hours a night. That's abusive. Yeah, it, it, when I've sort of complained about it before to other people, when I've, it's always been really intangible. Like yeah. I've always found it really hard to say what happened and how i feel yeah which is bad i mean put it this way i've had a recurring dream like quite a few times uh even recently had it a month ago where i'm beating up my father sure i'm beating the shit out of him right 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 and do you know what that is no please some tell kind me. of fucking contact some reaction really? you're there you exist even if you only exist in the form of bruises and lacerations on your father's face, you exist and you have impact. Yep. It's contact. It's yep. noticeability. Can't ignore me if I'm hitting you, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. that explains a lot. Yeah, um, that explains, you know, yeah. But you don't have to have that way. It doesn't have to be like that for you. I mean, once you identify it, right, again, this is why you got to ask, why did my parents get together? Why did they stay together? What were the foundational principles that drove my family? Because that's the stuff that's hardwired into you, and you can change it, but you've got to find yeah. the wiring first, right? Yeah. So if you're aware of that, and listen, the fact that you listen to this show, I assume that you listen to the call-in shows too, right? Yep. So this is the thing, right? I mean, the call-in shows, they're all about contact. I mean, yeah. haven't you felt that? goosebumpy thrill and you'll listen you know when you listen back to this you'll hear it like when i said it's yeah. vanity you're like oh right shit yeah i'm seen i'm visible i'm heard i'm connected i've I, I contact human contact you yeah. know forget about looking for life uh, on other planets just look for life in the living room sometimes <laughs> it's like a tougher quest right but yeah. that so if you like the call-in shows like some people they fucking hate the call-in shows because oh, they find it. it incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, I've had people who, who've emailed me saying, even listen to me chat with my daughter is like really uncomfortable because they're waiting for me to start <laughs> screaming at her for making a mistake because of their own family, blah, 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 right? But if, yeah. if you're listening, if you can handle these call-in shows, if you can handle this conversation, which you're doing magnificently, and what that means is that you are aware that there's a gap. You are uh, hungry to close it. And you're aware that sexual hedonism not only is not going to do it it's going to do the opposite and you're also aware that uh time's running out right yeah time's running out yep and uh we don't have forever to correct the mistakes of the past now, i don't think it's too late for you obviously but i wouldn't uh i wouldn't keep going this way yep. uh, every every road like every mile we take in the wrong direction is two miles right because we also got to come back yeah so stop banging chicks and start looking for women. Yeah. And here's the thing. Do it now before your hair regrows.
you know what? I that's you know what I've been having that thought. Yeah, do it now because you know, you know yeah, then you got I, a special I, yeah. tip for your lady. You know, you think these no, are my no, boob no. sizes? I'm gonna Britney Spears push that weird button that makes them get bigger. <laughs> you know, like, hey, you thought I yeah. came with no hair? Just wait a moment. Because like, <laughs> like, if she chooses you when you're balding, yeah, right? I that's so weird. I was think I've been thinking about that. Yeah, you got that. This is why I was. I even mean, the year's grace is kind of cool. Six months to a year to to find a quality woman, and you got to bond with the parts of you that only get better, right? Yeah, and in terms but, of virtue, yeah, integrity, yeah, knowledge, yeah. wisdom, hopefully those things improve over the course of your life. But you know, your looks ain't generally. Yeah. Yeah. And you can wow. have a a family life full of fun and laughter and challenge and disagreements and board games and. Pillow fights. Sounds, and, yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty nice. It's it's fantastic. That, I tell you what, it sounds so nice because I, I've been parroting the shallow reasons for not going down that route. You know, oh well, you know, when I go home, I can do what I want. And what do I do after I come home from work? Uh, okay, I sit on the couch. Uh, I watch TV. Sometimes playing games. Yeah. You know, that time could be used raising a son <laughs> yeah Playing you could uh, you could be son. engaging with new thoughts yeah that that only exist because of you and your wife you could leave new life new reason new arguments new intelligence on the planet look i mean your genetics are great right i mean you're a good looking guy you're you're smart right i mean you, for god's sakes if it ain't gonna be you it's, <laughs> it's gonna be a whole bunch of other people that may not be quite as productive in the world so no, and, and this is the old thing, right? There's an old, there's an old Tom Hanks movie. No, sorry, uh, Billy Crystal movie, when Harry met Sally or something like that, where she says, you know, well, we we don't want to have kids because you know, and, and we want to live downtown because you know we want to go to the opera and and we want to go skating in Rockefeller Center and we want to do and 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 we never do. Yeah. We never do those things. Yep. Yep. And you know, this is the thing. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna look back at you know if you don't. You know, like settle down, get a family, or whatever, right? I mean, with a quality woman, and all you look back and say, okay, well, I watched a, I watched a whole bunch of fucking Netflix in my life, which is passive, yeah, man. right? You're not creating anything; yeah. you're just consuming, and there's nothing wrong. Again, nothing wrong with that from time to time, but <sighs> there's something not... my Irish friend said, yeah, that I thought was really profound. Um, you know, he said this this idea of like freedom it just makes you a slave to uh, very shallow sexual impulses and materialism. Well, and everyone who leaves you doesn't want to stay. Like every everyone who leaves you, like you have sex with them or you date, everyone who leaves you, they don't want to stay. Now that's either because they're high quality and they recognize that they're slumming or they're low quality and you're slumming. Yeah. And so everyone who leaves you, it's like, yeah, well, there's another person who just wanted me for sex like an object and and doesn't yep. doesn't like me as a person enough to stick around and hear my thoughts over bagels right yeah so yeah don't don't keep doing that to yourself that's no good yeah man yeah i've noticed that like just recent i i have strong emotional reactions you know when i see uh people playing with their kids yeah it like it it brings me to like a childlike level yeah. Like, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I've had, like, tears in my eyes 
even, even seeing you playing Minecraft with your daughter, I was like, oh my God. Like, well, you, you, never, you never experienced that, right? Anything like that. No. no. Right. Yeah, well, you should. Now you know what's missing. Now you know what to provide, right? Yep. All right. All right. Okay. Will you will you let me know how how it goes and uh, absolutely. You know, make sure you send me a picture of your hair. I've always been kind. Of, I never quite trust the before and after pictures. I know it's <laughs> going to take a while, but you know, send me a picture yep. at your wedding when your hair's just beginning to grow in. <laughs> I'll send you a before and after. And yeah, I think that's really good advice to to look for it when I while my hair's gone. Absolutely. I, I really do. That's I I really yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, keep me posted. Thanks for, for a great chat, and I'll let you know when this is up and running. All right. Thank you, Stefan. Thank Take you care. so much. Bye. All right. Thanks.